This is Confessions of an Actress. I'm your host, Meredith Patterson. For the past two decades, I've worked professionally on Broadway, in TV and film in New York and L.A. This show takes you on the inside track of what life is really like as an actress in the entertainment industry. I'll be talking to my guests about the highs and lows of becoming and being an actress. Let's get real. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of an Actress podcast. How are you guys? Thank you guys so much for uh, listening. I really appreciate it. I know it sounds corny, but I'm so grateful to have the audience that I do. You guys have been liking and commenting and sharing my podcast. Um, Like I said, I'm flying by the seat of my pants and trying to learn how to do all this. Um, Any sort of technical glitches or mixing issues that I have, I know you guys kind of look past for now until it becomes more successful. And that's really up to you guys. The, The support that I get from you, the sharing, the iTunes ratings and the reviews, that all helps me make this a better podcast. So thank you so much. My guest today is an incredible Broadway singer and actress and dancer, Martina Sykes. Martina and I met two years ago, uh, almost to the day. We were both cast in the show Smokey Joe's Cafe at the Flat Rock Playhouse in North Carolina. And, you know, it's a show that is tremendously fun to do. But as we say in the episode, sometimes you get into a cast that just doesn't gel or whatever. But this cast... You know, I'm a little biased because my husband's in the cast as well, but everybody in the cast was just so wonderful, such good energy and so much fun. We had such a good time. But Martina and I um, shared a dressing room with two other ladies, Brianna and Wendy. Hi, ladies. But, you know, Martina and I were right next to each other, and that will do something um, to the, the relationship, friendship, intimacy of getting to know somebody. And I find that, you know, you either are in um, a a dressing room with somebody who you sit next to who, you know, just doesn't really seem to open up to you, or you sit next to someone like Martina. And I will never forget her for this because she just got right into my heart. And the truth is, is when I heard her sing and saw her sing, you know, there's something called tech rehearsal where you get to sit out in the audience and watch the other, your other performers, your colleagues perform their number if you're not in the number, of course. And I got a chance to watch her and she just lights up a stage. And I say this in the episode about how, you know, singing for her just cracks open her spirit and lets this amazingness pour out. And that's her. It really is. And I just adore her. I'm so happy for what she's doing right now. She's um, playing Shenzi in the national tour of Lion King, the Rafiki tour that's out on the road right now. She has done Broadway, uh, Motown on Broadway. She's done the national tour. She's done a lot of really great things in the industry, and there's more to come, I know. Um, I know there's so much more for her. The sky's the limit. But, you know, we don't really talk about a lot of things about the business, You know what I mean? In terms of like my credits, I did this or I did that. It's not really about that. I feel like this episode and this podcast in general is really um, like looking through a keyhole into the life of what, you know, the ups and downs, the insecurities, things that happen to you as an actress or a, a person and an artist and how it affects your career and how you can rise above it. And that's what this interview brings to um, this podcast. So thank you, Martina. I love you. I adore you. And I hope you guys enjoy this incredible interview with my friend. Hi. 
<laughs> I miss you. I know you're out on the road. I know you're I doing so you many too. things, so many things, but welcome. I'm so excited. I'm talking to you. I'm uh, so glad to be on here. I'm so girl, excited cannot, for the podcast. Uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You were honestly the beginning of, I remember when we did a backstage confession, like I kind of did that on Instagram. I would do like little videos and I was like, what's your confession? Yes. Yeah. What was my confession? Something about Ricolas, right? Uh, I know. I, it was exactly about Ricolas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I just I just reposted it because it made me laugh really hard. Uh, I'm definitely going to be giggling through this interview. Oh, so, yeah, it's been two years since I've seen you or talked to you, which is crazy. But like we said, Facebook and Instagram and social media and texting kind of makes it feel like you're still around. But when we do shows, we get so close to people in such a quick amount of time. Yeah. And we sat next to each other in the dressing room. Yeah. Like haven't like we we started Smoky Joe's Cafe in North Carolina and had never we didn't know each other at all before and just got to know each other really fast and that's kind of how this industry is, right? Yeah. Once you meet and find out like you have mutual friends and love the same people. It's a quick way to get to get close and and all of those things. So, so it's going to be a love fest this interview. But I want to start because um, you have such you have such a, a variety, you know, in in your past in terms of like we're going to talk about Florida, we're going to talk about you know your connection with the NFL, like so many great things that you've told me while we were in that show together. But I want to start as I always start with my guests. How did performing come into your life like like why why did you want to start being an actress or singer or performer in general um because I grew up in church and I was singing singing like in my mom's choir all the time and my dad is a preacher so we just always grow grew up singing and um my dad was one of those preachers that were was very encouraging and and wanting people to display all of their talent so whether you could sing or you could dance or you could act he invited everybody to kind of do everything in church and so we started off singing and then um me and my brother had a dance group that we started in the church and it was called impact and yes um, (laughs) and then we ended up like you know doing little skits and little plays in the church and then we you know we were both in um, magnet programs for elementary, middle school, and high school. So that's what kind of took us off. And plus, our parents come from a very musical background. My mom yeah. was in a singing group when she was younger with her and her sister. And my dad was always like playing in the band, the French horn, the trumpet, the piano. My mom plays the drums. So we've always been just surrounded by music. Oh, that's right. Your mom pay, plays the drums. I remember that conversation because my yeah. dad's a drummer and my my sister and my brother are drummers. And you did, you came from such a musical background. So it was just, it was just around you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And your sisters as well, like your sisters as well, or, or were they not, your sisters are, um, they, I, I met them once. I think they came to see your show, Kim and Davina, right? Yeah. My, um, I don't know if Kim actually plays any instruments. I know Davina plays the clarinet and she sings, even though she hates to, to do solos and she also dances. <laughs> even though she only like wants to perform at her recitals and in church, but she doesn't want anybody else to see much of anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we've always just been 
I guess it's just always been a part of us. Yeah, just a musical family. And I feel like if it's because that was the same, my, my background's kind of the same. It's just, I grew up around it. It was just around me. So it was either like you fall into it or you maybe step back from it and don't want to yeah. do it, but it's just like, it's just, it's, you're just exposed to it. So your dad's a pastor, Baptist pastor, which, uh, you know, he's incredible. I've, you know, I, I, I just adore his energy. I remember him <laughs> so well coming to see the show opening night and your mom, Belinda, um, but what was the group that that your mom was was in? Back they were in the called day? the BJ's. Okay. So my mom's name is Belinda Joyce. Yeah. And my, her sister's name is Bridget Janice. Okay. Janice. So they they started off modeling. Well, uh-huh. actually, my mom started off modeling, and then you know one day they were like, "Do you have any talent?" And she was like, "Yes, I have talent." But she actually <laughs> didn't know she had any talent. She was like, "Okay, sing." <laughs> Cause she just didn't want people to outdo her. Yes. Um, and so she got up there and she started singing and that voice came out and everybody heard it and they were like, Oh, you can, you can really sing. That's crazy. Um, so she just kind of drug her sister along and made her start singing. So it took off from them being a part of like a little modeling agency. Um, so they would have them perform yeah. all over West Palm beach, Palm beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and other places in Florida. Nice. And you you grew up in St. Petersburg, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, so like it is just, it is born and bred in you, in your family. Um, when was the first time you got on stage? Do you remember? Was it in church? Was it on the altar? Yes. Or was it like, it was, I was okay. five. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Please tell and, me there's video somewhere. I would love to oh, see that. Well, there's definitely a picture. <laughs> but I do think there's a video like VHS. If somebody somebody has it. Yeah. But my mom used to have youth workshops. So basically she would teach us like 12 to 15 songs. It was about 200 kids. And it was kids from all over the city and all, all different churches. And we would come together on Friday. We would do like a meet and greet and you know, maybe learn one or two songs just to see where people were at, were at. And then we would all day Saturday from like 9 a.m. to like 6 p.m. We would learn these 12 to 15 songs. Oh and then God. Sunday we would perform them in front of our friends and family. And um, it was always packed. Like, of course, it's 200 kids. So you can just imagine how many people and from their families and from their churches was there in the church. And I was my first little solo was called jamming in the key of Jesus. It was so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love that title. Jamming in the key of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, so, so take me through, because I remember you saying we have a very similar story in terms of singing. Do you remember this? Do you remember how we, we connected on this? Uh, and I'm jumping a few years, but I remember um, when we worked together, hearing you sing and me being like, oh my God, I got to follow you. I have to follow. And there was a song called woman that we did and I had to follow <laughs> you right after you, I had to sing. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I had to like puff my chest up and like walk out <laughs> and try to follow you. But I remember when we were in rehearsals, you were talking about how, um, you were either told not to sing or you were too shy to sing or something happened where, you didn't want to sing. And I remember I was about eight when I was told 
you know, I started as a dancer and I was told like, you don't have the voice for solo work. Like, don't, don't be a singer. So that was my journey. But I remember we had something, something similar. Yeah. In common. Um, it was around high school where, you know, I was in vocal, um, cause you know, you choose your focus in ninth grade. And so in high school, I was a vocal student and my teacher was like, either you stop singing gospel or you'll, you'll never be able to sing again. And oh. I was like, that's not, I mean, that's not possible. My dad's a pastor. I sing in church every Sunday, like, you know, but she wanted me to sing opera. And yeah. she was saying that the cause of the airiness around my voice was because I was getting nodules from singing gospel. Right. And mind you, I had no nodules. I went to the ENT and everything, but she started to spread that rumor. And, um, we used to have this thing in ninth grade where you would try out every every other focus for about two to three weeks just to see what else you were get, good at and to also yeah. have appreciation for other arts or other forms of art. And in the musical theater department, I did really well. And the dance teachers started taking notice to me. So they were like, well, we're going to start pulling her in our class and we're going to start using her for this and that. And that same teacher went around and told everybody that I wouldn't be able to perform, that I wasn't reliable, that my voice wasn't reliable. And um, because basically when she gave me that ultimatum, I was like, I'm not going to stop singing gospel. That's what I've grown up singing. Our school had a gospel choir and I was doing really well in that gospel choir. You know what I mean? It was just, it didn't make sense to me that for something that was so much a part of me that now you're telling me I can't do it because is hindering me from being able to sing opera, which you're just I'm, not really given the tools. If you're never, if you've never sing sung opera before, you don't know also, the type of placement and the breathing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're in high school, so I, I'm also sitting here shaking my head, being like, "What gives this teacher the right to tell you what you need to sing or how to sing, or that you're not reliable?" It just seems like a lot of projection on her part. Like something's going yeah. on with her that she's now projecting onto you, which. You know, I go back to um, a conversation I had uh, earlier in this podcast about like teachers and what they can say and how damaging it can be to oh, a yeah. kid. And how some people, that's like, you don't belong in this world. Like, you should not be a teacher. Yeah. And I mean, you definitely like, and I pray, I mean, she's retired now, but I pray that she, I mean, and I know for a fact that she has done it to other students. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that I went back to that school to kind of tell them like, you know, you, I, I was never a star in their eyes, you know what I mean? And in, in mm-hmm. certain teachers' eyes, and I still was able to do very well. So that I'm just a product of naysayers, basically. Like, you, yeah. you can do whatever you want to do. You have to believe in yourself first and have good people in your corner, but you'll always have somebody, whether it's a teacher, there's nobody at any position higher or lower than you that can steer you from the journey or the destiny that you're meant to be on. Oh, that's so good. That's so true. Um, and Cause there's always going to be there when I, gave oh, this she speech. Was... <laughs> yes. <laughs> because she tried to say that I was one of her star pupils and I was like, when, Oh, isn't and that she was funny? Like, yeah. I was like, they How just turn around and forget it. That you're like literally every forget. performance she had me kicked out of. Like I would show up oh, to rehearsal no. and they had already replaced me. And oh, it wasn't no. until like the end of my junior year that my dad showed up to the school and and just went nuts. Um, 
well not like you know lose yeah. he he did, but he just went off on her and he was like I don't want her near my child he was like well, if yeah. I have to come up come up to this school again it's a problem she is tearing down her self esteem there's no teacher that should be allowed to single-handedly single-handedly manipulate other teachers into kicking this child out of a show and now she's going into our senior projects and she hasn't done anything else because somebody is lying and saying she had nodules when we have a doctor's note that says there's nothing wrong with her voice yeah he was like so what is going on and your dad's one of the classiest people I mean he I'm sure you know, went up and, and said what any parent would say, like, leave my child alone and yeah. you do not belong. You do not belong, um, in, in this position, teaching children with this kind of, um, just, uh, you know, it, and, and then, and then, like you said, to come back and say, she was one of my star pupils. It's like, oh, now you're going to ride the bandwagon because I'm doing well in the yeah. industry like that and also yeah. you're gonna lie to kids because you you want them to feel like you had a part in something that you didn't have a part in and I was like and I and I was like when when did that happen and yeah. I said let me let me tell let me really break it down for y'all because I'm not one to lie or to pretend that something happened when it didn't I was like yeah. I was probably at the bottom of the barrel in this in this program mm-hmm. um I was like, I did well in school and I did well, like socially in school with like being on the, you know, superintendent's board and being student body vice president and things of that nature. But in this program, I won no awards. I was barely in anything Mm -hmm. um, because somebody and I said, oh, do you remember who that was, was spreading a rumor about me that I had notes and could not sing. So I was kind of pushed out and made to feel like an outcast. Yeah. I was like, and because of that, I went to school for something totally different, public relations, because I didn't want to sing anymore. I was yeah. so discouraged and I was so like, my self-esteem was really low in my own gift. Even to this day, I still struggle with like comparing myself to other people because I was constantly compared to other people. So I, I hear know. somebody else's voice and feel like, oh, her voice is so much better than mine. I shouldn't sing or I shouldn't sing behind her or... I shouldn't even audition at this point because I know she has it in the bag, which it really doesn't have anything to do with any of that. No, but it's such a, it's such a good point to a lot of artists um, who are knocked down in the beginning and how that sticks with you. And I think that was, that was the basis of our conversation was self-esteem was having like, that is so hindering, especially to somebody who, you know, has a gift like you have. I mean, I, I think it was, a, a conversation as as simple as you know I heard you sing your 11 o'clock number which like tore the house down every show when we were doing Smokey Joe's and then Aww. you said oh you know you know how I just like would sit there <laughs> I would stop everything I was doing in the dressing room and just like listen to you and then do those silly little uh like me impersonating you videos <laughs> that I text you <laughs> so dumb but I mean, I would listen the first time I heard you, I think I was like, oh my God, your voice. And you said something. It was like it came out of the, you know, the the young part of you or the insecure part of you or the part of you that had been told so many times, like you're not a singer or you can't sing or you have this or whatever those projections were that were that was planted by that teacher. Yeah. But you said you said something like, Oh yeah, I don't really, you know. You, you kind of dogged your own performance and your own voice. And I was like, what is, what? Like, I remember being like, what are you talking, 
what are you talking about? Yeah. You're, you're amazing. But, but I understand that because it's not, um, it's not uncommon for artists to, to have that deep seated insecurity because of something that happened in our youth that can kind of set the course for, for our life. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though you have such an amazingly supportive and talented family, like it, that is such a common thing. So yeah, moving on from that, moving on from that, you went into a totally different field when you went to college. Yes. And you stopped singing entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely. I mean, it wasn't, I think it wasn't until, um, the, the, the first thing that happened that was crazy was that the church that I was going to in college um, turned out to be a guy who grew up in St. Pete and he grew up listening to my dad preach. Okay. And I didn't know um, until a guest pastor came and I knew that guy because he had been a part of my mom's youth workshops for years and playing the piano. I was like, Hey, I'm, um, I'm Pastor Sykes' daughter. He was like, oh, my God, this is Little Mervatina. And so he ran and grabbed the pastor. He was like, did you know Little little Sykes is in your church? And he was like, Little Sykes, like Reverend Sykes' daughter Sykes? He's like, you've been sitting in the back for like two years and you didn't say anything. I was like, I didn't know you you knew them. Like, I didn't know you knew my dad. He was like, I've grown up listening to your dad preach and blah, blah, blah. And then one day he was staring at me or I felt like he was staring at me during the church service. And I was Uh like, you know, you feel like pastors are kind of looking at you like, nah, nah, I'm just I'm tripping. (laughs) Um, He's not looking at me. Yeah. And he came up to me after service and he was like, God kept telling me to tell you to come up here and sing. And I was like, are you sure, Lord? Like, I don't want to embarrass her. Like, I don't want her to be like, be like, why is one? Why is he staring at me so hard? Yeah. Two, like to put her on the spot. I don't want to do that. And he was like she needs to get up here and sing. Wow. He was like, the next time I tell you to make her sing, make her come up here and sing. Wow. Nice. And I was like, oh, and then like (laughs) three Sundays later, he was like, Martina, come on up here and sing. And I was like, okay. And I went up there and fast forward to the first like few months I got into the church. I had asked, could I join the choir? And the lady said there wasn't enough room for me. And so I was like, uh, I could even audition so you can hear me. Yeah. Cause they had 20 people in their choir. So I was like, ma'am, please. Um, but she was like, <laughs> no, no, we have enough people. So I was like, okay. You know, I just kept sitting in the back. So yeah. when I sang in church, like all of the youth ministers and the people that I was going to Bible study with and all of that, they were like, what? Like, what is going on? Why, why didn't we ever hear you sing? Yeah. And he was like, how dare you sit in the back of this church for two to three years and not say anything? I was like, well, I tried to join the choir once. And he was like, and what happened? I was like, they said there wasn't enough room. And he was like, are you like, it was just crazy that, you know, just randomly sitting at a church that I didn't know a guy that knew my dad. And then, you know, him saying that God put it on his heart and was like, make her come up here. Yeah. So that kind of opened that door. And then um, a friend of mine was like, I want you to be in a play that I'm doing. And that was my senior year. Yeah. That and um, I was in a Miss Black and Gold pageant. That's the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. And to get scholarship money. So I sang for my talent. And then everybody was like, what? What? Even people that didn't go to those different events, they see me now and they're like, when did you start singing? It's like your, it's like your secret superpower that you, you know, I I mean, 
you know, I, I feel like everyone's experience teaches them something. And I feel like, um, you know, however long you went without singing and then all of a sudden you started to sing, it's like, it's like every time you got up, it built, it, it built you up again. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. That's what yeah. I, it, it sounds like. It wasn't like anybody was like, you know, sit down, you shouldn't be singing. It's like every single person was like, oh my God, this is what you do. This is like, yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that you probably, um, although I can't sing and cry, but I imagine when you got up after two or three years of being in that church and not singing, like once you got up and sang that you were just like, just cracked open your soul, you know? Yeah. And it's you sing because that. it's so random, you know yeah. what I mean? So you know that it's not by, it's, it's not by mistake that that happened and that yeah. it was actually like a divine intervention that. Absolutely. I gave you this gift and I didn't want anybody to shut you up and I definitely never meant for you to shut up and for you to shut yourself up based on what somebody else told you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, cause when people, when I, when I got the urge to sing, I wouldn't even sing in front of my, in front of my roommate, I would drive around in the car and sing Mm -hmm. to myself as loud as possible until I got tired. Yeah. And then I would just drive back to my dorm and then, you know, finish doing what I was doing. But other than that, I didn't sing. Yeah, I can relate. I mean, I wouldn't sing in front of my my brother used to tell me, you know, who sings that song? And I'd be like, uh, Whitney Houston. And he'd go, let's keep it that way. <laughs> no, <I'll>, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like stuff like that, if I sang around in my house when I was a kid, like, you know, I honestly, I should not be singing Whitney Houston, but I love yes, singing. Should. Not really, but you have that kind of voice. Do you know what I mean? Like no. you, you have a crack open your soul. I, I've said that once before, but like crack open your soul moment that has people rise to their feet voice, which I think, you know, you know, whatever time I, I always say, whatever dips and valleys that's we have in our pain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's what they relate to. It cracks over because it's pain. They're like, oh, she's been through it. <laughs> oh, she's been through it and I can feel it. No, but it's true. It, it, it's And maybe that's why you went through that pain so that you can sing like the way you sing. You know, it's yeah. like coming from a deep place. It's coming from a spiritual place. Pain is something that that is, pain is something that is in an artist. And I feel like that, like, you know, it, maybe that's why you went through what you went through is because of the pain that, that you, that you feel like that it's like a spiritual experience when you sing. Yeah. Which that's what I think as, as hearing you sing as many times as I did, which was only like four weeks, but I could have sat there like for a year and just listened to you and just been like, Oh my God. But Smokey Joe's also was like it. It, it was an extreme um, self-esteem booster because How- I, it was something, it was, it was songs that like I had never done before and never heard before, but you know, um, the support of you guys, like being in a cast full of people that don't mind saying, man, you sound really good or you did a great job or I felt that or, you know, making videos like to you singing <laughs> or you know, stuff like that. It was such a supportive cast and you don't run into that a lot. You um, know what? It, it, and yes, yeah, I get so close so quickly. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. It is sadly not as common as you would hope it would be. Um, especially, you know, among like people who maybe are competing against each other. Like if you were to be like, okay, 
you know, maybe like you and Brianna would be up for the same part, but like you guys are, you were completely supportive of each other. I'm talking about in the yeah. business and in that show, like just like back and forth, like, you know, oh my God, you're so amazing. And, and all of the, the support you're right was, was sadly, um, is sadly rare among a cast and a cast of women. You know, I find that just in my experience, sometimes women can be kind of harsh to each other, right? Critical. Oh yeah. And especially because, you know, people think that you're in their type and, you know, cause me and Brianna, we could have easily had that kind of, um, rapport where it's like, uh, I would probably see her in audition rooms or, oh, she's a better dancer than me. And, oh my gosh, she's da, 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 da. Look at her body. You know what I mean? It could have been all of those things instead of just embracing each other for the gifts that each other have and say like, Hey, could you help me make this step look better? Because you're so much better at it, you know? Yeah. Just or, love. Um, or it's the same with you being able to get into the honesty of the songs you were singing yeah. because you have that extensive acting background that, you know, I don't have, um, or maybe, you know, we, and, and being like a big sister to us, yeah, <laughs> and and bringing you know being that that fest of love to just pour into us all the time, and for somebody you know like yourself who has done so many things in Broadway shows and TV and film, and not have that kind of attitude that I am above, you know what I mean? People who may not have made their Broadway debut yet, or you've only done one Broadway show, a lot of people don't have that kind of. We're all in this together. We're all here together. attitude and that was what was so amazing about our cast oh thank you and I you know what I don't know how else to be you know what I mean like it doesn't feel right to be like oh I've done this many Broadway shows and you've done this many Broadway shows and we you know that that brings me to that brings me to this um blog that I did which was when 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 Confessions of an Actress was a blog and not a podcast I did a I did a post called Broadway's Just a Word and I remember you oh, yeah. had such an impact on that because it was a conversation actually came from the conversation we had in the dressing room about the fact that you had you have done Broadway but you felt like it like going back to like it you know the the you know and, and the world can do this the insecurity of oh like the levels of frustration like oh I've I've done a Broadway show and some people are like oh but you haven't done 3 Oh, but you don't have a Tony. Oh, but you don't have a Tony nomination or you were only on Broadway for this amount of time. So that's not as good. And that's where I was like, no, you guys, Broadway is just a word. There are some amazing, not to, not to dog Broadway. I love Broadway. Yeah. But, but there is some amazing performances that are happening around the country that uh, of performers who have never made it to Broadway, not yet. Or if they did, it was only for, you know, a brief amount of time and why is that not as valid you know yeah and that goes to your and Motown I mean, your your Motown experience in your Broadway debut yeah I mean that Broadway debut lasted for 18 days and the yeah. thing that I was you know so thankful for is that before it went to Broadway it was on tour for two and a half years so you didn't feel cheated in the experience because you felt that you got to experience Motown in its fullness and that was just the end of an era but for a lot of people um like my friend was in getting the band back together and they closed I I went to their opening night and they got their closing notice maybe a week and a half after their opening 
Yeah. And that uh, was a show that had not been, you know, traveling or or done a few out of town runs before they went to Broadway. So, you know, you think of doing all that hard work for tech and rehearsal and previews and then opening and then being like, oh, guys, we got to close. You know what I mean? All that um, work. Yeah. And and, and the journey, the journey is not cut and dry. It's not do an out of town tryout or do a reading and then everybody gets to stay through the the production all the way to Broadway like that's the dream but there's exactly. a lot of dips there's a lot of dips there's a lot of peaks and valleys in between that um, yeah and my friend that was her Broadway debut yeah um, and I know she was hurt she was devastated now she's back on the grind so I mean that's just kind of what Broadway is it is uncertain it is an amazing experience that when you get it and it's for a long time, you are extremely blessed. But if it comes and it goes like, like a star in the sky, like you were blessed for even even experiencing it. But yeah. there are so many regional theaters and productions that are on the same caliber as Broadway, Absolutely. with the same talent. The only the only difference is location. Like I think of being on tour or being in a a really great um, regional production is that. You're still in the NFL. You're just playing an away game right now. Exactly. That is a good way. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, that's a good segue into because I want to talk about your experience with the NFL because I said it's such an interesting part of your background to be the the performer that you are and to have that moment of of working with the NFL or working with the players. So talk a little bit about that. Go back in time to when you were in Florida. At, at, were you at FSU? Uh, UF. Oh, you okay? UF. And so, and so, what was? How did you get into working with the NFL and with the players? Well, I worked for the school, so I didn't actually work for the NFL. I worked for the school's um, football team. Okay. So the NCAA, and basically, my friend was a sports management major at the time, mm-hmm. and they had this little sign that was like, you know, come be. They didn't call him a Gator girl, but they were like Florida recruit something. Okay. And she was like, oh, I want to do that. And I was like, oh, you should. She was like, well, do it with me. Do it with me. And we both interviewed and we both got called. So, you know, we started to do it. And basically what it was, was we were high school. Uh, we would recruit high school football players to want to come to UF. And it's basically like they would come on Saturdays or Fridays and you would meet them and talk with them and their family and show them around and introduce them to the coaches and the the players and you would kind of give them off to the players and the players would take them out and show them around and um then you would you know sit next to to them and their families at the football games and you know just kind of be that liaison between the school and them and so anything that they wanted to know about the academics or about the football program or about like nutrition or you know, the parties or even something like church and where could they go and would they be taken care of? You were that person that they asked. Um, Yeah. So which got got you really, yeah, which got you really close to the players and some of the players you're saying that you, you know, have gone on to the NFL and you've watched them blossom and, you know, and it's, I mean, I'm sure like watching football with you would be (laughs) very different experience than like, you know, any other just actress, like you're watching and you're going like, oh yeah, I used to, you know, I used to like help him around campus or whatever. Yeah. And just to see how they've grown and like the people that they've become, like watching Cam Newton or remember 
remembering him when he was 15, 16 years old coming to football camps versus now where he's, yeah. you know, all over Beats commercials and Nike and, you know, getting the best dress of the week for the ESPN. And I mean, all that kind of stuff is, is amazing. And to watch them go on to, you know, um, do to do so well and and go to the Super Bowl and become the MVP and things of that nature. And then also to watch some others not do so well or to, you know, pass yeah. away early and yeah. or some people to never see their dreams come to fruition. And, you know, we've had like five football players commit suicide since I've graduated. Yeah. Um, so I remember you talking about like, that. Yeah. It's like the, the up and the down side of it. But I was really grateful to be a part of it because just like our business is something that is is unsure. Yeah. It's feast or famine. So when you're yeah. doing well, you're doing really well. And then when you're not, you're really not unless you know how to capitalize off of the good times. Yeah. And I was just going to say it's, it's one of the parallels with, you know, being an athlete and being an artist, um, in the industry, it's like, you know, you have a certain amount of time when you are, you are the most coveted and there is, you know, you can be on this high and then something happens. Um, a lot of times with football players, it's like an injury or something happens in, um, in our industry where, you know, you just face some, some dry spells and it's like, everything kind of just goes downhill. And then the mental stability of that, like, how do you navigate that? Some people don't do it so well. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, talking about the fact that do you say five people committed suicide who were, who you knew from, from that program? Like that's, that is a subject that I think needs to be talked about more, you yeah. know, the mental health aspect of artists or athletes or people who are in high intensity situations, um, Absolutely. high level, all that. Yeah. 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 But that is, I mean, it's, I mean, to, you know, for, I mean, like we know that it's the equivalent of like winning a Tony award and then in the next year you can't book anything. Yeah. Which I've actually, or you get seen. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I've you seen get hurt friends. and have a career ending injury and, and you can never dance again. Um, yeah. yeah. And the thing, and what that does to your mental health. And for a lot of these guys being the best of the best of the best at their high school or at their college, and then going on to being like, a has been. Yeah. And you, you um, identify with no money. Yeah. You identify yourself with being that, especially, you know, I was never the star of my high school. I know you were saying that you weren't the star of your high school, but you know, so sometimes it's easier to, to navigate that identity in this industry. Yeah. But if you have gone from always being the best at what you do, whether you're a football player, a singer, dancer, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden it's gone the mental um, navigation you have to figure out with that is something that it's, you know, I feel like we all need like um, meetings to go to, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, like support system, something to go to, to sort of go, how do, how do we figure this out? You know? Yeah. But and I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm grateful for the actors fund that has like those seven free sessions, therapy sessions. Oh, they do. That yeah. You, yeah. There you go. That you can tap into. I mean, yeah. it is mental uh, awareness month for the month of May. So it is. You're right. You know, shout out to that. Um, shout out to that big time. Yeah. I don't I'm, I'm not sure what they have for athletes. I don't re remember. Yeah. You know, but when I was working for the NCAA, like if they 
had that or if that was something that was like a, a secret that was like kind of um, I feel like quiet I feel if like, it's kept if we know you have issues then we'll you know yeah. pull you along but I feel like those resources the actors fund is a really good place for artists to go to in terms of mental health and things like that um, yeah. that, that, that is a good resource to mention because I feel like it's something that isn't talked about enough. I feel like it's kind of shameful to like, you know, oh, you're having problems. You're depressed because you're not, you know, your career isn't going so well anymore. Like, oh, like a lot of people get really, um, judgy about that kind of stuff. Like it's interesting yeah. or, or, or they don't want to talk about it, but we've, yeah. I, I know I've had that. I've had that experience going from the highs and lows of the industry. I know that you have, I know that most people do. And I think it's yeah. the more we talk about it, the better. Yeah. And I mean, like life happens and life happens outside of your show. Yeah. So sometimes it's not all about like the fact that I didn't book a show where I haven't worked in seven years. Sometimes it's like I haven't worked in seven years and my mom has cancer and, you know, my dad, I haven't seen my dad in four years and, and I, I'm struggling right now to pay my rent. And, you know, I used up all of my unemployment and, you know, I'm trying to get in touch with the actors fund, but there's a waiting list. Like it, it's so many things that can be, be part of, the you struggle. know, yeah. And yeah. I think to just, for somebody to just narrow it down to saying, well, you, you're, you're just depressed because you don't have such and such. Like you yeah. have no idea what that person is going through. And even if it was just that it's substantial enough for them to feel the way that they feel. Yeah. And, and people, people should be allowed to feel how they feel. And that's just the world we're in where everybody's got a platform. Everyone's got a voice. Everyone's got a computer and a phone to make a, yeah. a comment on what's happening in your world. And, and not enough people practice the art of silence. Exactly. Yes. So moving forward, I want to talk about you're on the road with Disney's Lion King, Rafiki yes. Tour. Yeah. You are, you are playing a role that's on the dark side. Yeah, <laughs> <Shenzie>. <laughs> which, you know, um, for those of you guys who don't know Martina, like you are just such a, you are so, first of all, you're so gorgeous. You, you are just such a light and you are so fun. Thank you. you have this childlike energy about you. So what is it like to play, um, to play Shenzi and how is it, how's life on the road? I love Shenzi. I think she is hilarious. Um, one thing I always say is, like, she's the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she's not only, like, the boss of the hyenas. One thing I love about The Lion King is that the women in the show are so fierce. They're so uh -huh. strong. You have Rafiki. You have Nala. You have Shinzi. And all of them, you know, are a boss in their own right, whether on the side of good or the side of evil. Yeah. And, you know, the hyenas help with the comedic relief. They're very real. They're very down-to-earth. Like, they're kind of the, besides like Timon and Pumbaa, they're the only ones that don't have like this majestic, uh, you know, accent or voice that's, you know, it's very kind of like, I'm talking to my friends. You get a, and I always say like for the hyenas, it's almost as if we're inviting you to look at us sitting on our couch goofing off. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I love doing that. And I love the guys that I work with, Keith Bennett and Robbie Swift, they are my brothers and we have such a great time on stage and, you know, puppetry is something that is new for me. So learning how to manipulate a puppet to make it lifelike, that was hard work, but you know, I yeah. welcome the challenge and still working on it to make it better each and every time. Um, Did you and guys, that role is yeah. iconic. 
Yeah. I mean, did you guys get to work with Julie Taymor when you when you uh, rehearsed it or was it she was came she not for about it? two days? OK. And she came and watched our final run through. And one comment that she said is, I haven't seen chemistry like this among the hyenas in about 10 years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So she was like, this trio is this trio is bad. You know, like, yeah. I love them. So and that you know, was like that yeah. stamp of approval was awesome. Oh yeah, and you know she's not one to dole out compliments. I I worked my first Broadway show I ever did was The Green Bird, which was a play that she did after The Lion King in the year 2000 and we did puppetry in that show and I remember talk about strong a strong woman. She is just oh, yeah. I mean, she knows what she wants and she she will wait until she gets it, but she doesn't dole out compliments um, very often. So the fact that she did, I think, is huge for you guys. Yeah. 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 Awesome. awesome. Well, I wish I could see it. I don't know if you guys are going to come to the Los Angeles area anytime soon. Well, we'll but come I- to uh, Costa Mesa and I think around this time next year, Costa Mesa and San Diego. So that'll be, I think, the closest we'll get to L.A. because they just hit L.A. like a year prior. Yeah. And how many tours are out right now? Just one. Just the one. Okay. Yeah. I say just the one. Well, because you know those big those big Broadway hits, oh, like yeah. they got they two had the going Cheetah out and the Gazelle, and they had to sit <laughs> yeah. down in Vegas. Yeah, they had all of the things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the huge celebration that's happening in your family. Oh yeah. With the uh, hashtag Sykes Kids. I love I love that hashtag. And what is <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is pressed down, shaken together? What is that? Is that does that have to do with Sykes Kids and the celebration? Oh, that's a um, part of a, a scripture. Okay. That me and Ephraim always say. <laughs> I know. So I it's like um, pressed down, shaken together, together, and running over. Okay, so Ephraim is your brother, and you guys are you know killing it in the business. He actually came to see Smokey Joe's, and I remember he was about to embark on the Ain't Too Proud yeah. journey. So let's talk about that because that, I mean, I just remember how excited he was to go off to, to start the show in California and then the journey that was, you know, to Broadway and now obviously the Tonys. Oh yeah. Um, he actually was going to move to LA after Hairspray, um, Hairspray Live NBC where he was seaweed to just work on TV and film. And yeah. his first audition was for Ain't Too Proud and it when it was just workshops. Yeah. And he first told them like, no, you know, I'm really wanting to focus on TV and film right now. I don't think I can get back into the musicals. And um, he actually called one of his best friends, Derek, who plays Otis Williams. And he said, you know, did you hear about this new Detroit project? Because back then it was called the Detroit Project. And he was okay. like, yeah, man, I'm actually Otis Williams. And he was like, what? They want me to come in for David Ruff? And he was like, it's going to be big, man. I think you should at least come in for it. And he had worked with Sergio before with Memphis and Lethal yeah. Face. Um, so he was like, okay. So he was like, well, I can't do, you know, I'm, I want to do pilot season. So I can't do right now. But I'll I'll come back um, if you guys will let me come back and do the workshop. I'll do that. So he was like, they were like, okay. But then the writer called him after he did his audition. and was like, you are David Ruffin. How can we figure this thing out? So he said once he read the entire script, he really believed in it. And he was like, this feels right to me. Yeah. Um, And so he started on that journey and packed his little bags, moved right back to New York and got started and. They did the workshops, and of course, you know, then they went to um, Berkeley. To Berkeley, where yeah. Where it was, you know, it broke records for the box 
office and it did really well and they extended it like twice. Um, and then they started to do the mini tour yeah. with Toronto and at the Kennedy Center and in LA, which it broke records and all of those places too. And then they found their theater. I think it was in in the summertime that they found their theater. Yeah. The Imperial Theater, because Carousel had just closed. And um, they announced that they were going to Broadway. And that was fast. Like, I, you know, I've seen oh, a lot yeah. of shows go from workshop to Broadway. And it it really doesn't, it doesn't happen this fast. I mean, it's like two, three years of, of a development. And it just kind of just caught fire. And to watch it all happen, I mean... Ephraim, the, the, the couple times that I met him, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, just like you, one of the nicest people and nicest like family and your whole family just is just exuding class and love and talent. And just, I have been celebrating him the whole, the whole ride through and just watching you celebrate him. And, and how does that feel to be his sister? Like now that he's nominated for what best, best featured actor in a Broadway show. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I it's was incredible. Jumping. Like, yeah. I, I just remember, I just remember, like, how hard he's worked. And so I feel extremely grateful that God has rewarded his hard work the way that he has. And Ephraim is an example of, you know, um, and you know this, like, when you are in ensemble and you're a really good dancer, people mm-hmm. want you to stay in, like, your ensemble tracks. And you yep. may understudy the lead role, but they don't really put you in principal roles because they need strong dancers. And to watch him just kind of be the best of the background for over 10 years um, and keep being a part of these Tony nominated shows or Tony award winning shows like Memphis and like Hamilton and, and Tony nominated like Newsies and Motown and um, which other one? Cause this is little mermaid. Yeah. And, you know, him starting off like being the third seagull from the left and, oh, there's, there's, he is right there. He's a, he's one of the, <laughs> you know, dancers with the beards and, you know, for it to slowly and him to keep working and to keep pushing and to keep fighting and to keep honing his craft and yeah. taking the singing lessons and the acting lessons and not giving up um, and showing people that hard work does pay off. Absolutely. And eventually it will be your time to kind of step in that spotlight and get the opportunity to show all of your gifts. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one proud moment that I had, two proud moments that I had above like just the Tony nomination, you know, because the accolades are going to come when you do the work anyway. Yeah. But to see people who had him in this show, like Mr. Gordy and Mr. Gordy to turn to his right hand woman and say, how, how could we have let him go? Or yeah. how could we not have seen this before? You know, and then um, Lynn manuel went to see the show two days ago and wrote this full page thing on his Twitter and put up pictures all over Ephraim and just kept writing his name over and over again and just saying how you're getting to experience the fullness of his gifts. Yeah. And how what a pleasure it is to watch him revel in his gifts. And Ephraim was like the best of the background in Hamilton. So... I think I just feel, I feel so grateful for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm way more nervous than he is because he's like, (laughs) you know, he's like, Tony's like, okay. You know, I mean, he's extremely happy about it and it's surreal to him and he feels like he's living outside of his body. Yeah. He just wanted to do the work. Yeah. And I feel like, and and his humility is like, it's, it's an honor to watch. It's inspiring to watch. 
Yeah, and you, and you can you can see that. I mean, it just in in just the energy that the two the two of you guys you know give off is just one of hard work and love and faith and just being true to yourself and you know to have that then rewarded with a, a dream role like his role in Ain't Too Proud and and then to then be recognized just makes me feel. It makes it makes people in the community who who know him whenever somebody good and somebody who who is loving and wonderful succeeds. I feel like everybody in the community just just like celebrates them, you know. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I lost you. No, it's okay. Are you? <laughs> I hear I hear a thumping. Is that like a? Is it? That's the windshield wiper. Oh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like is that from coming from me? <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> No, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm always celebrating you. I'm celebrating Ephraim. I hope you guys get to do a show together. Someday. Oh my gosh. That's the dream. Like when people ask me, like, if you could have one role, what would it be? And I'm like, I, that role doesn't exist. If it's a show where I can be with my brother, that's what I want. That's I love the ultimate it. goal is I to be it. able to just like be alongside and have the sex kids in one show. Cause we were in Motown at the same time. It was just, he was on tour. I mean, he was on Broadway and I was on tour. And then when I came to Broadway, he was in Hamilton. So uh, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't pan out that way, but yeah, I was like, man, if I could have just, it's going to happen. Little, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. So I could talk to you forever. I just adore you. I want to, I want to wrap up, uh, you know, this conversation just because, um, you know, I, I usually, <laughs> I usually don't do longer than an hour, but I could with you because I just have so much more to dive into with you and the business and being an actress and being a woman of color and what is all that like. Um, yeah. But I think maybe we'll do, you know, I've said this with a lot of guests. I'm like, maybe we'll do a part two because I feel like it's, I'm just getting warmed up with this. Um, but if you were to give advice to anyone in this industry, going into this industry, um, being a woman, being a woman of color, being, you know, just an artist, what would that be? Um, that there's room enough for everybody. Like you are in competition with yourself. You're not in competition with the girl that goes in the room before you or after you. Yeah. So you never have to have that kind of pressure on yourself. You're just, the pressure should be to be a better self because yeah. what you want casting agents and um, directors and everybody else to see is that each time that you come in, that you have growth yeah. and the right show will find you. And it's already written. You just have to walk in it. So even if it takes a year or five years or 10 years, it's going to happen for you because that's what you want to happen. And it's meant for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and also like, I remember I went to this like boutique agency and I was getting advice when I first moved to New York and they said three things, be a, be on time, be prepared, be fantastic. And the rest has nothing to do with you. Yeah. All you can do is leave a great impression in the room. And if the, if the gig is meant for you, it absolutely will not miss you. And if it didn't, there are other things that'll come along and people will remember you and they'll remember your hard work and your personality and your warmth and your smile and your laughter and everything that you brought to the room that maybe they hadn't seen before. So you want to make sure that you cover those three things and then you know that you've done everything within your power to, you know, be great. 
Yeah, that is such good advice. That is, that's the best advice. It really, it's hard to kind of let everything else fall away sometimes because you have your mind set on the way you want it to be. But if you are on time, you are prepared and you, you know, you have a good energy about you. I really do feel like, you know, the world celebrates you and, uh, and it's they happening. Do. They do. It's happening to your brother. It's happening to you. I'm just, I, I'm celebrating you guys always. I can't wait to see you again and hopefully share the stage again. <laughs> um, you make me happy and thank you for you taking the time. You make me happy. <laughs> I love I'm you, always girl. always celebrating you and your family and those precious babies <laughs> That I still have videos of, and I miss uh, them. I know they miss you. They miss you. I said I'm talking to I'm talking to Martina, and Max was like, "Oh my God, I remember Martina." Like he just all of a sudden started talking about things in Smokey Joe's, and I was like, "Oh my God, oh. remember they were they were front row and they watched." The oh whole yeah. Show. I mean it's crazy, but. I love you. I hope to see you soon. I love I'm you sending too. You, I'm sending you love on the road. And and anyone who's listening who uh, sees that the Lion King is coming into town, please go see the show and yes, celebrate yes. Sh- celebrate the show and Martina. And I will talk to you soon, girl. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye, honey. Bye. To support this podcast, make a donation or become a sponsor, visit confessionsofanactress.com. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Meredith Patterson. And remember, have vision for what you want and be grateful for where you are.